Welcome back to the Tape Store, everyone. This is Toby. And this is Brooke. We were made in the 80s. And played in the 90s. And this is take two. Yes. Of this episode. <laughs> the worst possible thing could have happened, guys. I know. So we recorded this show. Yes. The previous night. Mm-hmm. You know, last night. We're like, okay, great. We're ready. We're, you know, we're early. It went well. It, you know. It was a great, you know, all by all rights, a great episode. And then when it came time to move the show the recording off of the SD card onto the computer so mm-hmm. I could edit it um, because we do everything right now. It's not like we have a staff here at the tape right, store. Right, no, <laughs> no. It's all homegrown. We're Which doing we it enjoy. We do. So uh, I'm moving the show off of the SD card to edit it and it would not move off the SD card. I was going to say, it never moved off it the SD card. It never moved off the SD card. And as it turned out, the SD card was corrupted, yeah. and it was a big mess, and it's been very upsetting. Yes. Uh, that being said, uh, we've had to re-record. Right. Which, I so, mean, I guess that's fine. We'll look at it as a dress rehearsal. Yeah. I mean, we definitely should know how to do it right this time if we right. didn't get anything right the first time. But it was really frustrating because I thought it was a great yeah. episode. We felt good about at it. At any rate, hello, everyone. Welcome back. <laughs> Um, we hope that you're enjoying your Thanksgiving week. Uh, we hope that you're enjoying Black Friday shopping sales. Yes. But most importantly, Thanksgiving and however your um whatever kind of vacation time you may have during yeah. this time that you can spend with friends and family, whether it is through a screen or in person. Yeah. We know that uh, things are not ideal right now, but we're hoping you're able to find some warmth. Yeah, and feel one way or another, and feel loved. And have something to be thankful for. Right. And we are thankful Which for... Which is apt for this episode. Right. We need to keep that in mind. Yes. And we are thankful for you guys, by the way, Absolutely. our listeners. Anyone and everyone who, you know, listens and, you know, takes the time to give us a shout out, give us a rating, and all the friends that we've met along the way. You guys have made this so much all the better, you know. Yes. It wouldn't be what it it's is. It's genuinely a community. Yeah, so we love you guys and we appreciate you guys and we're thankful for you guys, so we definitely want to take that time. Absolutely. To say that. Thank you. With that being said, this is a tough episode for me, yes. which is why I hate that we're having to do it again. I know. He he is he is having to emotionally trudge through the swamp of his uh, of 19, feelings yeah. right now. Yes. And the and the <laughs> swamp that we're trudging through, and I don't want to like you know, I don't want to like, I guess, bash it too hard because the, it's, it's really not bashing. Not no, like it's it's tough. It's tough because there's so much to praise and there's so there's so right. much beauty in this, which film. is all valid and true. But there's also such heart wrenching things about this. You know? Right. And what we're talking about is 1990s Edward Scissorhands. A just total classic. Yes. I didn't realize how how early this film was. I didn't realize that it was 1990. I thought it was I like, didn't realize for that some either. reason I thought it was like 92 or 93. This movie came out. I was 10 years old. It is directed by the great Tim Burton, mm-hmm. whom we love and we still oh, love. Oh yes, of yes, course. of course. It is I mean, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to throw some negativity out there about this this film, particularly Edward Scissorhands. And we're going to talk about that. But only because the character of Edward was so effective. Only because... Really? Yes. I mean, everything, that's the heart of it. Everything about how I feel that's negative about this film is is can only be matched by how much I love Edward. As a character, um, as a soul, just I love him. Yes. So, And I love Tim Burton and his imagination. I mean, we don't, we, we, we can't say enough. I mean, we, we've been through Sleepy Hollow. We've been through Nightmare Before Christmas. Yeah, and he just has such a per- particular and peculiar style... 
it's just, I mean, how can you, that, I mean, I I say I feel like that won't ever be matched, but, right. you know, things change, times change, but he's just, he is definitely iconic. Yeah, so Edward Scissorhands came out, uh, specifically, it was released on December 7th, 1990. It stars Johnny Depp as Edward Scissorhands. Winona Ryder, Diane, I think it's Weist, it's W-I-E-S-T, Diane Weist. Yeah. Anthony Michael Hall. Kathy Baker, Vincent Price, and Alan Arkin. So it's got a stacked cast. Yes, for yeah. sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, you remember that I said that last I remember last that time. you said that, yeah. We're, we're gonna... He looked at me like, hey, I got one. Yeah, what? remember? We got one from, <laughs> from the last recording. Got one. That's going to, yeah. I love that. We're going to get oh to keep my that God. going. Okay. All right, so this, this was a, this film started out so great. Yeah. It's not like, it's not like every great film can't have anything heart-wrenching. I mean, any f- good film, the hero has the uphill battle. Of course. Has the struggle. Right. These are these are all things that are, are just, you know, these things are baked into the cake of a good story. Of course. Edward Scissorhands, however, I think was was building up to something so wonderful. And then the last part of the film, like the last act, I guess you could yeah. say, the film, mm-hmm. it just unraveled into something so unpleasant and really hurtful. Yeah. Yeah. To Edward and hurtful to the people who love Edward. Now mm-hmm. understand this, there are people who love this film through and through. Like, yeah, ending it all. And I'm not knocking the, I'm not knocking those people at all. No. We'll we'll get into both of our analyses, I guess, yeah. uh, on the film later. But we're, um we're going to yeah, we're going to do that along the way. Yeah, so yeah, as yeah, as we go. So I can make we can we both have different views on it. But um it's it's funny how it's all true at the same time. Yeah, so Edward Scissorhands is kind of a tragic tale. Definitely. And we'll give a little bit of a setup, but <clears throat> this is going to be a different episode guys in the sense that usually when we talk about a film we kind of we really dive deep and go through the whole narrative yeah we usually lay out the plot right you know we kind of take you step by step through the action of the film and then explain maybe our analysis or our opinions or whatever on it but this is different because on instagram uh when we announced that we were doing edward scissorhands because they're for people who have listened to us for a while some of you have been asking us, hey, right. are you going to do Edward Scissorhands? When are you going to do Edward Scissorhands? Yes. And we're like, so for me, this so, is, For me, this is ripping the band <laughs> right. off Right, so bit. I was always like, yeah, sure. And Toby was like, no, never. I'll die first. Right. So no. here we are. And then and then it hit me, <laughs> you know what? Why don't we do Edward Scissorhands? Mm-hmm. And I can actually talk about why I don't appreciate it. Right. And so I said- that's, And why I don't like it. And I was like, okay, that's not going to be a good episode if we only do that. So we yeah. put, put on Instagram, hey- what are your questions or comments or thoughts or feelings about Edward Scissorhands? So this episode is, yes, talking about why you are very upset at the movie, but also we are addressing the things that you guys have said. Yeah, so... Is, so it's... it's I'm actually... We're actually really excited about yeah, that. Yeah, so we're allowing... We're going to allow the questions and comments from you guys to kind of guide us. And as we're going through, we're going to uh, talk about what we love... And what yeah. we hate because y'all's questions actually about were, the story. were perfect. They were they were perfect ways <clears throat> for us to express what we think of the film. So those of you who weighed in on that, um, you guys nailed it because one, they're great comments, and two, they they lend itself to conversation very well. Yeah, and also I want to say that I have pulled up on my phone the review for Edward Scissorhands by Roger Ebert, 
and when I if if you've never heard of Roger Ebert, hopefully eighties and nineties kids. I was gonna should, say if you're eighties and nineties, you know. Yeah, you know Roger Ebert, and really, there's not been anyone since like the Roger Ebert. Well, and, the nineties like, ended the okay. This is the critic for whatever. I think because now well, we have everyone's social, a, a critic. Everyone's a critic when we have social media. We have Rotten Tomatoes. We have exactly, you know, exactly. We have teams and collaboratives right. of people. But, so it's just different now. But I I just miss. Those really important yeah, Siskel and Ebert. That's yeah, what I always think of. I just think that if you are a good critic, it's it's such an important voice to be mm-hmm. out there in in the film industry and in film culture. And Roger Ebert's voice, I think, is is sorely missed. I know by me. Yeah, for sure. And he's someone that I have found over the years as a, an avid film guy. You know, mm-hmm. love movies, love stories. As someone who, again, is a film enthusiast, Roger Ebert is often someone that I align with. Yeah. If I don't like a movie, I often find that Roger Ebert doesn't like it. And when I'm looking at movies to watch, sometimes I'll find out what Ebert thinks. Yeah. Or what Ebert thought, because sadly he's since passed passed. away. Uh, And I would really get a lot from his analysis of these films. And... Usually it'd be dead on. Like if Roger Ebert gave it three or four stars, I usually really liked it. Now, not that I agree with him every time, but right. But but I will. The reason why I have Roger Ebert up with this episode is because what Roger Ebert's critiques were mm-hmm. of Edward Scissorhands, and he reviewed the movie a week after it came out, December fourteenth, nineteen ninety. Okay. So we're looking at a thirty-year-old almost wow. review of this film because this wow. film's you know this film's almost you know we're approaching the thirty-year anniversary of Edward Scissorhands. Yikes. So the reason why I had this up again is because what Roger Ebert says in his critique of the film is dead on why I don't like it. Right. So, you know, with that being said, we're, we're just going to jump right in. And let's just kind of before we get into, you know, our, our questions, questions and comments, yeah. um, I want to just give a quick um, quick uh, context and, and a little bit of a setting of what this film's about. Okay. Edward Scissorhands is, I, I think it takes place kind of, and we talked about this, you know, we talked about it yesterday when we recorded the show the first <laughs> yes. time. Rip that uh, recording. Yeah. Well, Edward Scissorhands kind of takes place in kind of a, it's kind of a timeless time. It's timeless, but the time markers yeah. are purposeful and meant to take your mind to a certain place. Yeah. So basically. And we'll explain that yeah. in, later. The hero of the story is obviously. Edward Scissorhands, right. who is an artificial man. Again, it's played by Johnny Depp. Yeah. He looks very, very um, odd, I guess you could say. Yeah. There's a beauty to him, definitely. Yeah, he, I he mean, is beautiful in, in a way. But but he definitely looks, uh, I guess, compared to... Peculiar. You know, you know standard people. He, he looks peculiar. He's mm-hmm. very pale-skinned. Um, he has really archaic clothing, yeah, Almost, it's strange. It's mechanical. Yeah, like, kind of like it's like a steampunk. Industrial. Yeah, it's yeah, it's definitely steampunkish. But I the, love it. The, the main <laughs> thing that we know about Edward is that instead of hands, he has blades like scissors for like hands. Giant scissors. Yeah. yeah, and that is because he was created by an inventor who's yes. played in the film by Vincent Price, mm-hmm. and he's essentially incomplete because before right. the inventor could give him actual hands, right. He dies. Yes, and a, a something of note because this is something that I always wondered after seeing the movie as a kid because I just didn't catch it. I just you know I was a kid, I didn't catch it. Right. But 
the inventor has all these I mean he is an inventor he's he's making all yeah. this stuff making different things so he has all these industrial steampunky looking things and he's making cookies too and he looks over at this machine that has kind of a bobble type head you could yeah. see how it could be a body right and it's the scissor hands it's a machine so that's and that, he, that was Edward. and he grabs the heart cookie and holds it up to it and you're like okay that was the conception of I could make a, a man Right. So, because I always just thought, why'd you make a man with scissor hands, man? You know that you know where that's going to go. Right. But it, so when I grew up, I was like, okay. okay, he didn't make a man and give him scissor hands. He took a machine, mm-hmm. made it a man, and then the next step was going to be hands. So I don't know if, if there's any other '90s kids out there that just right. completely missed that, like take solace. Yeah. So in, in that knowledge. <laughs> yeah. So. Edward lives again. He was unfinished. Yes, right. He was meant to be a fully meant, full, a full artificial man. Right. He was meant to have hands, yeah. and his hands were kind of the final piece. Mm. And again, before the inventor could could gift him, well, he, as it, he's holding, yeah, the hands. it's as he's holding the hands. He's like Edward, I, you know. And then he just and then he dies. Either it's, has a heart attack tragic. or stroke or yeah. something. Devastating. So, Edward still has his scissor hands. He's still incomplete. I guess physically incomplete. I, right. I, I, I personally believe Edward is the most complete being in the Ugh, film. Preach. But he has his scissor hands, and because he really was never, I, I think that after he would have gotten his hands, who knows, maybe the inventor would have taken him out into the world. Yeah, there might have been a process right. that he was looking forward so, to, because he, remember he would read to him, and yeah. it, it seems like he, had, he planned on fathering him. Right, so Edward, w- being unfinished, mm-hmm. in a sense... He stays in the house secluded. And 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 we really don't know how long for. And this house is like a a castle-like house. It's huge. It's like, it looks like a, like from like, you know, the the 50s horror movies, which is fitting because Vincent Price is the inventor. And by this point, it looks old and derelict. Yeah. And it's it's, it's on this big hill and it's really dark and contrasted against what it overlooks, which is... A suburban neighborhood, which couldn't be more suburban. Oh, yeah. And couldn't be more contrasted against. Yeah, with pastel houses. And it's just bright and like. Right. And these are the cookie cutter homes, like like the Levitt Towns. Exactly. uh, Which were after the war, the Levitt Towns were. Yeah. During the housing boom. Yeah. uh, The the people who built houses essentially used the same floor models. Yeah. So that's where you get the suburbia, you know. That's why when you go to neighborhoods even today, you might see several houses that look the same. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. And it's very much that that whole... The uh, 1950s-esque Yeah, mo- it's de- very much that motif. Yeah. And it, 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 it it's a hard contrast yeah. against Edward's world, which is very dark yeah. and very monotone and very cold. Yeah. So to get things going... A woman who lives in the uh, suburb. In the suburb, uh, her name is Peg Boggs. Mm-hmm. She's an Avon lady, a door-to-door <laughs> saleswoman. She decides, I guess, you know, just you know what, I'm not doing great, you know, with this yeah. with this gig, and she decides to take a chance and go to this old house mm-hmm. that's on this big hill that overlooks her sub her subdivision. She goes there. She kind of ends up inside the house. Yeah, she's like, it's unlocked. She's like, yeah, okay, cool. she's yelling, you know. It's your Avon lady. Yeah, Avon calling. 
and emerging from the darkness and, and really kind of a, a scary, almost a sinister toned yeah, scene. Moment. It, 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 yeah. But but it, it's it's you know, obviously Edward's not scary, but right. but when he comes out of the shadows, he's got his scissor hands and he walks kind of awkwardly, he has to hold the hands out. Yeah, lest he so get cut. <laughs> he comes out of the shadows and immediately, you know, Peg is frightened, but he says, Don't go. So <laughs> I can't. As creepy and as ominous as it seems, Edward is a gentle and kind person. But what's sweet about that, too, is that Peg immediately sees right through to his heart. Yes, she does. She is, I mean, for but a moment, put off by his exterior. She immediately is like... Okay, you need somebody. Yeah. You then, need yeah. you need some love here. The line, and I just, you know, is I, I I love her so much for that. Yeah, the line is I think you should come home with me. Uh, I believe that's what she says. But, I would do the same. So she brings Edward to her home. Now Peg has a family. Yes, she's married to Bill Bill Boggs, mm-hmm. <laughs> played by Alan Arkin. She has two children. She has a daughter, an older, an, an like elder a teenage, yeah, daughter. like a teenage daughter. The eldest child is their daughter Kim, right? And they have a son, the younger son, and that is Kevin, played by Robert Oliveri. Yes, who was also in Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Yeah, he was the kid from uh, with the glasses. Yeah, who got yes. stuck? Who got stuck in the Cheerio? Yes, right. They are your um, run of the mill American family. Yeah, you know, husband, wife, and two kids. Yeah, mm-hmm. and Edward is brought into this world picture per- seemingly picture perfect world and the film base so so that is the setup guys and the film obviously at, continues on as you would imagine as you would <laughs> imagine edwards adventures and misadventures his successes and failures mm-hmm. adapting to this world and edward his reactions are almost like he's a kid like a child yeah he cuz really he is and again that's we'll get into that as yeah. we go on so but and Obviously, it's wonderful to see in many ways Edward's re- Edward's reactions to this new world. Right. It's sad to see Edward's reactions. It's sad to see how this new world treats him. Yeah. Which is very harshly in many ways, uh, with the exception of the bogs. Right. And thankfully. then of course, and then we get to the ending, <laughs> which we're going to get to. So <laughs> l- let's, uh, but let's not get there just yet. Right. Let's talk about because we're going to get to what we love and what we hate, and especially me. What I, why, oh, why I can't, why I have not watched this film in years and still refuse to. So. <laughs> we'll okay. Start. So we asked, like I said, we asked for questions or comments about uh, Edward Scissorhands. So I'll be reading um, both. Both, you know, questions and comments. So the first one is it's a diamond. And yes. Yes. It absolutely is. And why is it a diamond? Um, it is, you know, to 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 talk about what a diamond actually is, you know, it is, you know, a rock that has had a lot of pressure added to it and yes. makes something beautiful. It's and it's rare and, and it's, it's rare. valuable. Yes. And, and oftentimes you gotta di- dig to get to it. Right. And diamonds are taken and they're 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 cut and they're shined, whatever the process is yeah. to make them beautiful right and they're meant to be shown yes so yes this is a diamond in that it is a beautiful and rare piece of art absolutely Mm -hmm. and then i'll let you (laughs) say what else you want to say this film is a diamond because of edward absolutely he is the diamond he is the diamond (laughs) obviously the imagination of tim burton does not fail us in creating i think one of the most beautiful characters in film history yeah 
definitely the one of the most innocent, one of the most pure. For sure. And of course, he's played with great uh, majesty, yes. you know, by Johnny Depp. And you know, we look at Johnny Depp now, who is a Tim Burton extraordinaire, right? And this was the first time. Yeah, this was their first collaboration. So yes. this was his this first film. Tim Burton, and he is the iconic Tim. I mean, those of you who are Tim Burton fans, you know, Corpse Bride, Sleepy Hollow. Uh, I mean, he he is the Tim Burton hero. It's like it's like Tim Burton was waiting his whole life to meet Johnny Depp. You know what I mean? So right. for this to be the first, mm-hmm. it's incredible. So what is it about this film that makes it a rough diamond, ah. in my opinion? This film could have been, I think, perfect. Right. You know, I think this could have been so wonderful. I think that it starts off so brilliantly and so wonderfully. And again, you have this this person, this character... Edward, that's just so wonderful. And then the film ends so... Harshly. Harshly and just badly. It's just a bad ending. So you want to know what my issue is with Edward Scissorhands? Yes. Is that it is a movie with an incredible character, tons of imagination, starts off wonderfully, goes for a while wonderfully, like soars high, and then crashes into a side of a Yeah, it just nosedives. It it nosedives like... Emotionally. And completely does such a terrible injustice to this wonderful character of Edward. And I, and that's where I'm going to read my first part of the film review by Roger Ebert. Okay, so I'm going to start, you know, obviously I'm not going to read this whole review, but I'm going down to basically where, you know, because he, you know, Roger Ebert does go through the narrative of, of, of the films that he's reviewing often. So right. we're going to start... You know, just kind of in the middle here where he's talking a little bit about what happens and then where it starts to go south. Yeah. So, the Avon lady isn't phased. We're talking about Peg. She mm-hmm. bundles Edward into her car and drives him back down the mountain to join her family, which includes daughter Kim and husband Bill and her son, uh, Kevin. Mm-hmm. The neighbors in this suburb are insatiably curious. The movie then develops into a series of situations that seem inspired by silent comedy as when Edward tries to pick up a pee. With his scissor hands. Successful satire has to have a place to stand and a target to aim at. The entire world of Edward Scissorhands is satire, and so Edward inhabits it rather than taking aim at it. Even if he lived in a more hospitable world, however, it's hard to tell what satirical comment Edward would have to make. Because the movie makes an abrupt switch in his character two-thirds of the way through. Mm. Until then, he's been a gentle, goofy soul. Then Burton and his writer go on autopilot and paste in a standard Hollywood ending. So, the issue with Edward Scissorhands that Roger Ebert has, and I have, right. even before I read this review, is the ending. Yes. The fact is, I never even read Roger Ebert's review of Edward Scissorhands Interesting. until we were going to do this show. I said, you know what, I want to see what Roger Ebert says. And what's amazing was yep. I said, well, that confirms it. The issue Roger <laughs> Ebert has is with the ending. So, let's yeah. let, let's move the narrative forward a little bit. Right. As Edward joins the family of the Boggs, the Boggses, I guess you could say. Yeah. He meets Kim. He sees yeah. pictures of her. Which is precious. And he falls in love with her. Yeah. It's, it, it's we imme- see it on his face. It's immediate. Yeah. He falls in love with Kim. And of course, he meets Kim in in the most in the worst way possible. Right. But he meets and falls in love with Kim. Kim already has a jerk boyfriend 
named <sighs> named Jim. No, no, Jim and Kim get Play, out. Played by Anthony Michael Hall, who's great. Who Anthony Michael Hall shows his range as an actor in this film. I yes. mean, because he's because we hate because we hate Jim. And here's the thing, Anthony Michael Hall, his range as an actor. We see him in Breakfast Club as this, you know, yeah. nerdy kid who's kind of harmless, you know. Then he plays this guy, Jim, and it's yeah. like, man, dude. It, You're the actual worst. Yeah, in this film, right? In this, So yes. I'm saying, just he's got such great range. He's also in a, uh, a show called The uh, Dead Zone, which is based off of C- Stephen King. Stephen King, King. yes, yeah. yes, yes. So Anthony Michael Hall's great in this. And, right. Because he convinces us that Jim is the biggest jerk in the world. Right. So Jim treats Edward very badly, especially when he starts to see that Edward cares about Kim. Mm-hmm. And when Kim begins to show, he Edward, really treats Kim badly too. Honestly, he does. He's just yeah. But Kim is in this standard situation. Well, where she's, she's a cheerleader and he's a jock, and that's it. Right. It's kind of that situation. It, yeah. It's the it's it's the stereotype because we're dealing with a lot of stereotypes in and this movie as it is. Edward actually loves Kim, and obviously, so sad. We see Kim begin to love Edward. Yeah. And and I meant to say we we didn't talk about this, but um. The story begins with an old woman telling her granddaughter a story about Edward Scissorhands. Right. So basically, we're watching the story as she's telling it, right? It's kind of like, you know, Princess Bride. Like, we're we're watching the dramatization yeah. of the story unfold because we are being told the story. So what ends up happening, obviously, is Edward and Kim fall in love. Massive misunderstandings take place. They have, like, five minutes to be in love. They have, like, five minutes. They get to hold each other it's for 30 really seconds. It's really horrible. In this climactic scene, back, you know, Edward has to essentially escape and go back to his house. Right. Where Kim follows him because she loves him. And the rest of the town. And then Jim goes mm-hmm. because he's now become Edward's, you know, the villain. He's become the Gaston to Edward's Yeah, beast. well, because, because he was rejected and it is in relation to Edward. So right. naturally he has to eradicate the threat. Yeah, so... It ends ultimately with Edward and Jim squaring off, and Jim ends up harming Kim, which Edward goes to her defense. Yeah, he's like, nope, you've done it now. And he ends up, he stabs Jim with one of his scissors, scissor hands, causing Jim to fall out of the window of Edward's large castle of a house. You know, he he dies. Yeah, it is It is definitely the the Gaston versus the Beast Right, except fight. in this case, it doesn't end as wonderful as Beauty and the Beast. No, in and there sense. are not singing, dancing cutlery that are helping. And before you say, well, not everything can end like a fairy tale, right, but we didn't have to do this to Edward. We didn't right. have to do what Kim... The Beast was a cr- kind of a crappy guy, right. though. Like, Edward well, is yeah. the angel of the earth. Right, so like. Kim <laughs> basically takes what appears to be an uh, like a, a spare scissor hand... <laughs> Yeah. Runs out and tells the town who's standing in front of Jim's dead body. Like, that, where, we, where's Edward, basically? Right, that the roof caved in on Edward, and Edward's dead. They killed each other. Yeah. And she holds up the hand as proof. The town goes home. And then we find that the old woman telling the story to her granddaughter from the beginning is Kim. Oh, my God. And as it turned out, Edward, all these years, has been by himself, alone, Wasting away, you know, with with no with I mean, no one he, to he, love. Well, he hasn't aged. He's immortal. We find that you know. Obviously, we see that. Yeah, he, he was created by an inventor. That, he was his insides are yeah machine. He, yeah, he's not going to die. Yeah, Kim reveals herself as you know the old woman reveals herself as Kim. Right, and basically 
Edward is has been fine this yeah. whole time, mm-hmm. but by himself, hidden. You know, the thing about Edward is is that we find that he's incredibly gifted with his scissor hands ar- artistically. Yeah. Like, he can make beautiful ice sculptures, <clears throat> and he can make beautiful, like, hedges. hedges, and he can cut people's hair. So his house has been decorated with these beautiful, you know... And it was that way before, but it's different at the end. Yeah, it is. And it's, we can get to... We, I mean, right. We should probably but, wait and save that. Yeah, but. sure, but, but the bottom line is, the way it ends is, Edward is sequestered. And essentially, he's in exile. He's in exile, and and he lives his life. And he's he's and he's like a block from the neighborhood. Yeah, that's the thing. He's not and, like he's not like holed up in a castle on the right. mountain. He's like a block away. Yeah, and they all he, walked there. And basically, Kim says that she knows he's still alive because before it never snowed. It never snowed, and after it after after it always did because the well and yeah and the, the whole, first. And the whole idea is now Edward is making it snow for this town. So that's what he's doing forever and ever and ever. Not with someone he loves, not being loved by others, not yeah. being appreciated for the, the beautiful thing he mm-hmm. is. Right. And you know? he is. So that is my issue with this film. Yes. Is that it's it's one thing to, to have a, a, a layer of tragedy. Yes. Right. Right, right, right. And that's, I mean, you kind of need that in, in most films. But to, to make it... Not only a tragedy, but to make it a tragedy, right? Crashed into the side of a mountain, <laughs> thrown into the bottom of an ocean, you know? Right. It's it, terrible. It's, it's terrible. Right. And I thought it was really irresponsible. It was. So it that was. that that's <clears throat> why it's a diamond. Yes. But a definitely a diamond in the rough. Yes. Gotcha. Could have been much more beautiful. <sighs> All right. So let, I'm gonna I'm gonna lump these next two questions together because they do actually kind of go together. Yeah. Um. The first one makes me laugh. Yeah. Because uh, it's, how did the lemonade get to him that fast? Okay. And then I'm going to, but I'm also going to lump that together with the waterbed scene was so, so sad. Because really, yeah, the connected. lemonade happens after the waterbed yeah, scene. Yeah, so, yeah, the waterbed scene is when he meets Kim. So, Kim... Or rather, when, when Kim happens upon him. Yeah, so when Peg brings Edward home... Kim is not home. She, yeah, she's on a camping trip for a few days with, with Jim, her, with Jim and, and all her the cool guys, bimbo friends. Yeah, with all the cool people. Boo. So she comes home that night, the night that Edward is, you know, Edward's been there. He's been there a couple days because yeah. he's, he's, you know, they had the picnic with the town and they've done all this stuff already. Right. So Kim gets home. She's the final piece. She's she doesn't know this has happened. You know, she doesn't know that this no. this man has been found. And, and you got to think this is pre cell phone, so it's not like mom was like, "Hey, just FYI." Just FYI. No, like, hey, got this dude. You, don't, you ain't got a landline. You'll find out the changes when you get home. Yeah, like. that was what it was like growing <laughs> up. So she gets there, she gets home, and he is in her room. He's bunking in, in her, her bed. bed. Yeah, in, he's her in her b- bed. water bed, which he's already had mishap with. Right, and when she walks in, she sees him. She screams. And of course, Edward freaks out. The water bed starts. The water spewing. bed just is shredded, oh, completely destroyed. Water everywhere. Edward's soaking wet, and that's how he meets the love of his the life. Love of his life. And that was actually one of the only scenes that wasn't originally in the script. I'm, I'm assuming. I'm assuming that probably maybe the waterbed thing. They were like, "Well, that's totally '80s. Let's put it in there." Yeah. And then, like, obviously, he has scissor yeah. hands, so it's probably yeah. a natural progression but um so had, yeah. that seems so effective and it actually was kind of a happy accident I, i'm not you know i i've never slept 
all night on a waterbed? I have. It's weird. Yeah. Is it actually comfortable? You know, um, Aunt Beth and Uncle Charlie. <sighs> yeah, had yeah, one. yeah, yeah. My 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 mom's sister and her, uh, her husband yeah, had yeah. one as a kid. I remember just always like pushing it, like going in whenever it's I could. It's so bizarre. Like, oh my gosh, it's so weird. I remember in I now this is a, a stretch, but I remember in a Goofy movie when they we stayed at the hotel and there was waterbeds that you could see the fish inside, and I really That's nuts. I wanted that to be real. I don't know if it is, but I have slept on a waterbed. It's odd. Yeah. But I was a kid, so I was kind of like, whatever, I don't care. I'm on a yeah, waterbed. It's like but this like, novel thing. But it but it's like Is it comfortable? You can't you're you're constantly moving. So like I feel like if you had vertigo, if you like got seasick, you just like throw up all night probably. Yeah, I think Fox Mulder has one in the X Files. There's an episode where of his, course his he waterbed does. Of course he does. Okay. But yeah, so so okay, so that the waterbed thing happens and then you know, obviously, it wakes the entire household yeah, up. Yeah, and it's a really stressful because situation. Because she's screaming. She's like, there's a murderer. And then mom's like, oh, it's not a murderer. It's right, just yeah. Edward. And then here comes Alan Arkin. He's like, all right, all yeah, right. Yeah, like, Alan Arkin is the American dad. Which I got to love him. Like, he jumps to attention. He's like, I got I got him handled. Yeah, We're good. So he takes Edward kind of, I guess, into the kitchen or into something. Into his lounge. Or Yeah, maybe it's his, <laughs> into yeah. his man cave. And he gives Edward a drink. Out of this weird, like, little man carafe. Yeah. And he says, what's that? It's lemonade. Yeah, it's lemonade. Which, which we, as an adult now, I'm like, that's not no lemonade. Edward can't, <laughs> Edward can't grab the glass, so he gives him a straw. And, so, you know, when he pours it, he pours what, you know, like, you know, like a fourth of the glass, so you know, okay, this is not lemonade. That's, yeah, so to answer the question right. as to why the lemonade <laughs> got to him so quick, it wasn't lemonade. But. <laughs> Obviously. But, but you could still argue, okay, but how did the alcohol right. get to him that quick? Well, obviously, Edward's never had anything like this. Ever. And he sucked it up in a straw so fast. Oh, no. And so, obviously, he was given, like, straight liquor, whether it was scotch oh. or, or some kind of whiskey. Yeah. Uh, or who knows. Baby's you know, first bourbon. hangover. <laughs> uh, yeah. And that is why he got sick the next day. Yes. So When the, he is offered by the town vixen some yeah, actual some lemonade. Some actual lemonade. Uh, yeah, so basically it wasn't lemonade, no. and, but it, but it's those kinds of moments that are really delightful in the film Yes, to see Edward kind of haphazardly figure this place out, this new place yeah. out. Well, because I mean, essentially it is like, you know, experiencing things like, I mean, really like having your first, you, people turn 21 or whatever, you have your first alcoholic drink and you, it's kind of fun to yeah. watch your friend react to something like that. And poor Edward has no idea. He, he's not even clued in that he's about to partake in this rite of passage you know this man's bonding moment and he's just and then and but then of course as soon as he takes the entire drink in walks kim right and he's just thrown that's right he passes out yeah he's done he's gone poor guy yeah it's yeah (laughs) but that's the lemonade yeah to to answer that question let's move on to another that's lovely okay okay all right, I love this comment because I'm 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 with you. So it says obsessed with the pastel colors against Edward's dark character. And yes. obviously I agree. Did a little I mean, you don't have to do much digging. I say I did research. It's not like I was Gandalf in Minas Tirith, but like right. I <laughs> I did a little googling. And um the style of these homes uh, were a blend of 1960s or mid-century modern style. Well, that's what we referenced at the beginning like the 1950s kind of model um and 1980s because I remember I'm I'm really like I I love mid-century modern style uh just in my own home like just decorating wise so I'm I recognize it really easily so the 50s and 60s I really love so when we first meet Peg 
and we see her doing the Avon stuff, and we're, we're, we're entering into the homes of the town, which is the audience's chance to understand this place. It's all mid-century modern. It's, you've got the starburst and the atomic stuff, and yeah. uh, yeah, I love it. And I was like, okay, that's definitely 50s and 60s. But then you go into other homes like, now that's really 80s. Like I remember yeah, specifically so seeing these different genres, and that's now for the mid-century modern, that is meant to give you a vibe. Because when we think 50s, we think, I love Lucy, you're a housewife. Yeah. Y- your husband comes home at five on the dot. Yes. And they show that. Like There's, when the lights go off, all the husbands start pulling into the neighborhood. It's meant to give you a vibe of this is how it's always been. Yeah. This is how it's always going to be here. And change is a very novel thing. Right. So there's this order that Edward is going to yes. come in and essentially upend. Yes. And we see the com- the commentary. We see the contrast. Right. Because the fact is, is that these people in this suburb, they all seem to think that their own way and their own life and who they are is, there's nothing wrong with it. Right. There's nothing we- weird. They're normal. They're fine. You know, you got the really religious woman. You got yeah. uh, you got the vixen, you yes. know. Yes, I think that's Catherine Baker's character. It is. Kathy yeah. Baker. Not Kathy Bates. What's wrong with me? Yes, Kathy, uh-huh. ba- Kathy Baker. Right. And it, And so you have all these people who are just kind of like from, you know, suburban America. Yeah. And mm-hmm. they, they've been doing this for a while before Edward showed up looking at each other through their windows. Oh, yeah. Thinking that, they're bored. Yeah. But thinking but they're also thinking that they're normal and they're fine and they're yes. perfect. When the fact of the matter is they're all weirdos, too. Right. Edward coming in. Right. I think really was what kind of tore that whole veneer down. Yeah. And caused that, them to look at one another. Yeah. And, and then at themselves. Yeah. Really. Because, like, they're, they're really all messed up. Exactly. And yeah. I... You know, when you were reading his review, which I, I I know you'd read it the other night, but I'm internalizing it more sure. today. When I thought about satire, because I'm like I said, I teach American Lit this mm-hmm. year, um, and satire was one of our big discussions. And at first, I wanted to disagree with Ebert. I was like, no, it's not satire. But then I'm like, no, I do agree, and that's why I agree with the review because satire is comedy. Period. Right. Satire is meant to be comedy. And the reason why I can agree with his review is because the satire completely ends. It completely ends and becomes a tragedy. Right. And because like if you look at other works of satire, if you don't, most of you, I am certain know what satire is. But in case you would like a refresher, satire, things like Saturday Night Live, which comments on pop culture. Sleepy Hollow is actually satire of the time period. Yeah. Um. It's a it's a commentary on the people of the, the actual superstitious story Washington, people of yeah, the time. The actual story by Washington Irving. Yeah. And even if you watch the watch the Tim Burton film, like it, it does that still. Yeah. These are examples of satire. They're meant to be kind of funny because they're meant to yeah. they're meant to poke fun in a way that would be less offensive than saying, "Hey, here's your problem." And that again, yeah. And, and that, that goes completely away, and it turns into it a does. Shakespearean freaking tragedy. Right. And that's yeah, which is exactly what you know. Roger Ebert wrote, just to, just to go back to that, Burton and his writer Caroline Thompson go on autopilot and paste in a standard Hollywood ending. You know what that is. The hero and the villain meet. There is a deadly confrontation and no prizes for guessing who wins. Right. And I and th- this is not to say I know what's going on in Tim Burton's head or Caroline Thompson's head by any stretch, but it, but my I have my analysis cap on, and it makes right. me wonder, because Tim Burton did comment that Edward Scissorhands, he he 
he it, it was birthed out of a drawing he did as a teenager right. of a man with scissor hands. He he essentially drew Edward scissor hands, but it's because that's how he felt. He felt like Edward. Caroline Thompson also made comments about how she wrote the screenplay because she felt like she dated guys like Edward. Like, so it makes me wonder if they if there's a need for just for some kind of like okay, well we want to do this to the character because it's so personal. You know what I mean? Like that maybe the storytelling part unraveled a little bit because well, it was so personal that's what it makes me wonder it's a good question i, I think and I'll it's tell not you this, an answer though. it's just it's a it's a discussion point I, i'll tell you this though I, and if anybody's listening and they might be thinking mm-hmm. well well you can't take every story and wrap it up in a nice bow no well a little later i'm going to share a little bit of how i felt <laughs> edward scissorhand should have ended and i understand that i'm not tim burton it's not my story it's his i'm just simply saying um the, the way I felt it should have ended, mm-hmm. it doesn't have a little bow on it. No. I just don't think it should have been a complete, you but know. But you shouldn't have, I mean, uh, it didn't have to like completely murder the morale of the lead That character. And, 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 and also really kind of conflict with, with the first, you know, I'd say the first two acts of the film, like the first right. couple acts of the film, like the first two thirds of it right. were wonderful. And then like you said, and then suddenly it switches. It just right. switches. And that's just me coming at it from a, a literary criticism point of view. Right. Of... The model has completely changed, which yeah. I guess is fine. But I now mean, you yeah. can't say that it's one. Now you can't say that it's purely one thing, right? Um, like for example, um, another work of Tim Burton is Corpse Bride. Yeah, and that is very much satire in a way because it's commentary on the upstairs downstairs model, right? Of high society and low class, and how really the high the people who were high society were alive, the people who were low society were dead, mm-hmm. and the dead people were having more fun than the living. That's satire, right. and they gave that ending was it still fit the model, and it gave their hero justice. Yes, but so it, it can be done. It can be done, but here, here's and, and I'm going to continue on with what with what Roger Ebert yes. says about the end of the film, which is absolutely. I mean, no. There's no way I could say it as good as Roger Ebert, but here's what he says. Who can? I'm going to go back again and pick up where I left off. You know what that is. Talking about the standard Hollywood ending. Right. The hero and the villain meet. There is a deadly confrontation and no prizes for guessing who wins. And what I mean by hero and villain, obviously, it is Edward and Jim. Except in pure action films, situations used to be solved by dialogue and plot developments. No more. Mm. Now someone is killed. Right. That's the solution. Right. And the movie is over. And Edward Scissorhands, the villain, is a neighborhood lout named Jim who doesn't like guys with scissors for hands <laughs> and picks on Edward until finally there's a trumped-up fight to finish up at the castle. This conclusion is so lame it's disheartening. Surely anyone clever enough to dream up Edward Scissorhands should be swift enough to think of a payoff that involves our imagination. Right. And that mm-hmm. is the issue. That is the issue. That is the issue. Not only is it the the, the trumped up fight that that's the standard Hollywood ending, like you said, like the Beauty and the Beast, the, it ga- is. the Gaston, it's Gaston versus, versus the Beast, because the Beast is reluctant; he doesn't want to have then, to fight. Then it's it's, and then we're going to get into mm-hmm. the other issue with the ending. You're going to try to convince me, right? With the most unrealistic premise for the ending that Edward loves Kim, Kim loves Edward. However, Kim is going to never visit Edward over the years, even though he's like 200 yards away from her. Right. She's never going to visit him. She's going to, I guess, meet someone, get married, 
mm-hmm. have children, yeah, and there's have a grandchildren. lot of questions that are and, wide open, and then the response to be, "Do you ever go see him?" Oh, I I'm an old woman now. I'm an old woman now, and not like Edward would even care. No, he wouldn't, because he's the pure heart of an angel, right? But I would prefer him remember me the way that I was, which was dancing in the snow. Which, again, was a beautiful yeah. scene in the film where he's carving the ice sculpture. Yes. And it's snowing in her backyard and she's dancing in it and Edward accidentally cuts her. And then here comes Jim and then Edward, and then Jim pushes Edward and Edward gets upset and leaves. Oh, so they can't even have a sweet moment. And then they get another one. No, they, they really... Hold, they hold each other and then that's ruined. They're so, not allowed... Yeah, they're, yeah, it's very much... And I get the forbidden love story. I really do get that. But, I mean, so, most forbidden love stories, they at least have a whole night. Right. I'm just saying... They have well, a whole my, nine. My thing is this. They had and, 10 minutes. <laughs> uh, look, I just think that Edward deserved more. Right. Than being cooped up in the place that he started. Yeah. And by we, himself. Yeah, and was, and was a, you know, I mean, unintentionally abandoned you know, by a his stone's throw, A stone's throw from the love of his life who never visits him because she'd prefer him remember her the way yeah. that she was. And he gets to spend the rest of his life making snow for a bunch of jerks. But also, I mean... He yes, he's he's away from Kim, who he loved, but the only mother figure he's ever known. Right. Um. He got to be part of a family. I mean, I think about Peg, and I she's really the first one who, right, showed him what love was. So, that, and I'm like, right. I would think that Peg would have been like, I don't, I don't. Well, know. and that, I don't know. that leads to what I think the ending should have been. <clears throat> yeah. And I'm not the filmmaker. That Tim Burton is okay. Well, no. You know what I'm saying though is, okay, let's not take him back to where he started. Right. Why don't we? Why don't instead of taking him back to the to that castle to that castle and have obviously he's so beautiful, Mm -hmm. he's so pure, you know, he's experienced love. So now he's just going to go back to what he used. Why not? You know, okay, I get it. He has to leave. He has to escape. He, yeah, he has to leave this little town. Why can't he go off? Right. And 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 why can't he? Tr- why can't he travel on and and share his beauty and his gift? Because Edward's so unique and wonderful. Mm-hmm. Why can't he go out and share that with the world? Why can't he go out? Why can't there be a scene that shows Edward in different places with different people, making them? happier yeah making them better because the fact of the matter is whether those people realize it or not they had they had they had more to learn from edward yeah well i mean like you look at a story honestly now to be fair i am not referring to the victor hugo version i'm referring to the disney version but i look at a story like the hunchback of notre dame okay who we are looking at a man who was deformed who was rejected yeah by the public no, he didn't get the girl in the end who he was in love with, but right. he did the ultimate good for his town, and in return, they saw his heart. He was loved and accepted, which was all he ever wanted. Yeah, and he breaks free from... He breaks free from the chain of his horrible whatever master. I mean, now granted, you know, Edward doesn't have that, but they get we are given a beautiful ending to a person who physically doesn't fit in, right? but his heart does. Yeah, his heart's better. It's purer than everyone in the movie. So, so I and I'm again. We're not Tim Burton. We're just again. We're just telling you this is where this is where our devastation comes from because Edward is probably one of the purest characters I've ever encountered in a film. 
Um, so I don't understand why there was not as much care taken in his end as in his creation. Right. Because here's the thing. Because he's just an, lovely. An ending that's wrapped up with a bow would have been Edward lives with the boxes. Yeah. I mean, honestly, the ma- Quasimodo ending, that would have been that would have been wrapped in a bow. And, and that would have been too much, And I he think. marries Kim, and they have kids. No. And all that. No. That's no. not going to happen. We the know fa- that's not well, going to happen. Well, the fact is, Edward's immortal. Right. Right. So, so w- what I'm saying is... What but what Edward could do is he could he could leave that that house, leave that suburbia, start over, and keep starting over, and keep starting as much over as he wants to because and he share lives who he is with others. And, and and honestly, yeah, the ice sculpture of Kim at the end, mm-hmm. he could have been doing that somewhere else. Yeah, like in Paris. I, I would have honestly, yeah, I'm no. Well, I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just saying. I, honestly, would have had him. I would have had him carving Kim. Many years later, obviously, mm-hmm. but I would have had him carving the statue of Kim and just kids dancing in the ice, Ugh. like it, or, or something like. Why like, is that so perfect? You know, or kids dancing in the snow, because just to show that Edward is going to go out and make a lot of people happy and still experience love and yes. never and and take Kim with him. Ugh, now I'm I'm like really attached to that. So so and yes, that's sad so that you it's still not have real. The, so you still have the tragedy Ugh. that he can't be with Kim and that you know, but you have this hope that yeah. Edward would continue on and and impact others, right? You know, but I digress. I digress. I know. It I could. Ended, we could honestly again, just just talk about that. It ended with him proposed ending the yeah, whole episode. It ends with him in the dingy old house making right. snow for a bunch of jerks. Okay. Yes. Okay. So, with the exception of the box, they weren't jerks. <laughs> but that leads us to actually, since we just since that, since we kind of talked about the end, that actually leads us to another question that is relevant. It says, was a sequel ever in the works? Um, yeah, that, Brooke did some research. I on this. did. Yeah, that Brooke, is... I appreciate Brooke, uh, especially <laughs> on this one. She did a lot of the heavy lifting. All of your questions she took. She watched the film, so she did the heavy I had to lifting. It, so yes. yeah, so go ahead, Brooke. Yeah, I just wanted to, I I just wanted to make it. sure they knew that. Actually, well, I mean, this is stuff I love. I mean, I like I've like I've said many a time. I'm a you know. An English teacher, I really enjoy research, especially when it comes to literary criticism and things like that. So this is like, this is my bread and butter. So, okay, so the short answer was a sequel. Of, this is kind of a two-part answer. Um, and the short answer is no. Tim Burton is not usually a fan of sequels. Um, he did give an interview with Entertainment Weekly on the topic of Edward Scissorhands. And when he was asked about ever wanting to make a sequel, he was quoted saying, no, I think things like that are nightmares. For me, they're very singular things. And I think, yeah, some things I easily get while you make more movies. But for me, they're usually just singular things. So he did say, like, I he, he never even really entertained that. Right. That's not to say he doesn't do sequels, because obviously, I know you mentioned last time, he did Batman Last Returns. Night. He but did Batman Returns, but Batman's not his creation. That's not his story, right? He took a comic and put his Tim Burton spin on it, which sure. thank God he did because I love it. Yeah, we love it. Um, but things like Nightmare Before Christmas. I know he was very adamant about. I don't want Jack going to another Thanksgiving world. I want Jack going to Easter world. Uh-uh. Right. Like he wanted to preserve the sanctity, if you will, of what he created right then. Yeah. Um. Same thing with you know. Other films of his, however, he did enter. Weirdly enough, honestly, in the worst possible sequel, yeah. he could have considered. He considered a sequel to Beetlejuice that was going to be set in Hawaii. Yeah, I don't know. Which, Unless there's more to the story that we just don't know, that would have made it great. It just seems like just, but just to read that on it paper, it seems like a straight to video. That feels like a mistake. 
it seems like a straight to video type thing. Yes, you know? like, I mean that just feels that feels like a digression. It seems like something they should do in the in the incredible Beetlejuice cartoon. Which, by the way, now I'd be here for that. Yeah, now, now you I'll could, take you could do that in a cartoon, and the Beetlejuice cartoon is one of my we favorite to, cartoons that of all time. That needs to be a thing, by the way. Because one we of need my to talk favorite cartoons it. of all time. After school every day, I think it was four thirty on Fox Kids. Beetlejuice the cartoon. Yes, our son Incredible. loves it too, which is shocking. To be honest, so yeah. Um, okay, so so no, so the, so the first answer is no. There wasn't actually a film considered, right? However, while there may not be a sequel movie, there were a series of graphic novels written by Kate Leth and illustrated by Drew Rausch that is centered on Edward Scissorhands and gives us a glimpse into what life might have been like after the movie took place. I believe these came out in 2014. So it's recent. It's really recent. Yeah. So I th- we couldn't have even said this a few years ago. Um. There you can buy yeah exactly you can buy the whole like the compendium I guess called the final cut which you know haha no pun intended uh, it encompasses all ten issues from the series which are also available as two graphic novels called Parts Unknown and Whole Again if you'd like to spend a little more time in the world of Edward these may be what you need um, I know I don't know a lot about them I didn't I didn't just you know completely dive into that the art looked great the art looks fantastic yeah, they're the, they're the very drawing. clearly Burton fans. Clearly, just, um, they get the the Burton vision. Um, I don't know that it was particularly endorsed by Burton, but I didn't I didn't read to the contrary, so I don't, I don't know. know. So but I know it, it that it gives me some hope that there is a yeah. better ending for Edward. And if if it's great, I'm going to be like, okay, that's yeah. what happened. And, and <laughs> I, I can say that Kim is not a central character. And Kim is in, in the comics. Kim is long gone, and yeah. her great granddaughter Megan is now part of Edward's life. There's also another creation that Edward unearths that the inventor made. And okay. I, again, I don't know a lot because I didn't want because I really didn't want to find out a lot because I, I might want to read them because yeah. I would like to see more of our sweet Edward. Oh, definitely. Um, me too. So if you, if you have a bitter taste in your mouth from Edward Scissorhands as well, you want to see him living and thriving a little bit more. You might want to, you can buy these on Amazon. They're like, they're pretty accessible. Well, that's excellent because, again, I'm holding out hope that this is going to, I think, be a better ending for Edward. So we need to check those out. Yeah. And thank you for doing the research on that. So let's move on to another another question, okay, another comment perfect. from one of our great listeners. All right. Now, this one, um, again, excites me because this I got to flex my research muscle a little bit. Um, how did Vincent Price get his part in the film? I believe he died shortly after, right? And the answer is yes, he did. Sadly, this was his last major feature role. Um, so uh, the part of the inventor was actually written just for Vincent Price. So there was no auditioning involved. It was written for him. Uh, but it wasn't the first time Burton had worked with Price. Um, Tim Burton fan, if you're, if you're a Tim Burton fan and you've been watching his stuff, then you will likely remember his 1982 stop motion film called Vincent that Burton designed and directed. Now, before I tell you about that, I need to tell you that some of you may, again, if you're Burton connoisseurs, you already know this, but you may not. Burton was working for Disney at the time. He was actually supposed to do, he did some conceptual work on the Black Cauldron, but they scrapped it. Like he he just, I think as we all know, he's not Disney material. He's not exactly. Right. I mean, I. He is I've, his own thing. Yeah. Like I've, I've seen his illustrations and they're really phenomenal, but they're very dark and very, um, specific they're yeah. not disney that like they're there's Burton-esque. no yeah there's no bill cinderella about that right. at all sure but there were i believe it was two executive producers that 
were like, hey, okay, okay, yeah, so you're not Disney, but you've got something. And those two people backed his project, Vincent, um, which again was in 1982. So I, I think that's neat that there there were people that were like, okay, Burton, like don't, you may not be Disney, but you got something, so keep going. Right. Um, so uh, it features a young boy clad in the typical Burton-esque black and white stripes who longs to be a master of horror like the great Vincent Price. Vincent was very much, this short film, Vincent, was very much autobiographical, and Burton's real-life icon as a child was indeed Vincent Price. Um, on asking Price to read for the film, Burton said he responded very quickly. He got it. He got the fact it wasn't just like a fan thing. He sort of got the emotional side of it, which I felt really amazed by. And so then uh, he came in and narrated it. Because if you watch it, you can watch it on YouTube. You can Google it. And it is Vincent Price narrating this tale about this young boy who wishes that his life was like a creepy Vincent right. Price, you know, whatever. Yeah. And um, so Vincent Price narrated it, and he and Burton struck up a friendship and became friends. And w so by the time Edward Scissorhands rolled around, they were already friends, which is very cool. I mean, to for the story of, you know, we all have people we grow up with as icons. Sure. So for him to actually get his icon to star in his little short film oh, yeah, and then a... go on to be in his movie... And that be his last that's feature really film. Amazing, what a the, what a neat capstone, you know. I mean, that's that's yeah. pretty cool. So that is the story, of Vincent Price. <laughs> Excellent. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna take these next two. They're kind of related. Yes, because mm -hmm. they have to do with the scissor hands. Of course. So one is: Do his scissor hands, Edward's scissor hands, do they stay sharp or does he sharpen them? Well, in the movie, he does go and get them sharpened. Yes. Uh, at the Southgate Shopping Center. Yes. So maybe that would suggest that he. Either maybe maybe now maybe the inventor had something that he used to sharpen them. Yeah, my thought is that know, he probably maybe did have them sharpened before. Right, maybe. I don't know. But he did go and get them sharpened. Obviously, whether he did it on his own at the house at his mm. home, but he definitely does go at one point in the film to. I, I guess Bill takes him or somebody. Yeah, I think it's it's either Bill or or Peg that take. I think it is Bill. That take him to, to get, get them sharpened. Yeah, <laughs> and then at the little mid-century market. And then the second question was, can you actually carve an ice sculpture <laughs> with scissors? And as far as I know, with the research we did, right, uh, I did not see anyone. Which doing by it all with means scissors. was not exhaustive. <laughs> no, but it was either hammer and chisel, like they use chainsaws and other power tools, but nothing that yeah. looks like so Edward's other horror films might could scissor do it. hands yeah <laughs> nothing that looks like Edward's scissor hands so in all actuality when you see like a, a swan or something at a wedding yeah it was likely done with ha energy. hammer chisel and some other power tools and such uh likely not they likely don't have scissor hand gloves as much as I would love to see that I know all right, Brooke, take this next one. Okay, this we next have, one. We have two more, mm -hmm. and, and, and this one I really want to talk about, and then, you know. Yeah, this next one. one's, um, it's a little heavy, and, and it, but not in a bad way, necessarily. Yeah. Um, it says, I cry at the end because I could relate to wanting to belong or fit in. Right. And I, I, I mean, look, I agree. <laughs> yeah, because I understand that. Because we, um, you know, we all long to be seen as worthy and as something valuable and acceptable and when we feel like we're not it's yeah just devastating and ed especially and i i dare say none of us are near as pure and as sweet as right. edward so well, I think, yeah. I, the pain must be that much greater and i think for me again i, I don't watch the movie anymore guys but <laughs> and one of the reasons why <laughs> the reason why is because 
I would cry and be depressed at the end. I mean, I would be depressed as a kid. So many of you have messaged us and been like, oh, I can't watch this without crying. So, like, I know that we're not alone in this. So, well, now I really, as a kid, I couldn't watch it because I felt sorry for Edward. It it, I, it didn't resonate me as, and, and I was a kid that didn't really fit in growing right. up. Mm-hmm. But I didn't think about it. I didn't internalize it like that. Uh, I just felt sorry for Edward. Mm-hmm. I and because I believe he deserved better. And as far as wanting to belong and fit in, with the exception of the boxes, Edward didn't Edward didn't need to fit in with all those. You no, know, they were they were all the worst except for the Boggs family. Right. What the reason why I cry and the reason why I I imagine I would cry because I, I'm I'm not going to watch the movie. <laughs> I don't watch the movie. Yeah. Is because now as a kid, I felt sorry for Edward. As an adult who's married, who gets to be with the love of my life every day, oh, thanks. <laughs> and has children, um, it, it's it's a two it's a twofold issue. Yeah, mm-hmm. I hurt for Edward because he can't be with the love of his life. But I understand that he's immortal. Kim's mortal. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. th- there is that issue. But just the fact that Edward has to be alone. Is an issue. Yeah. And he obviously doesn't want to be alone because when he meets Peg, he says, don't go. I can't. That that hurts so deep. So Edward does not <laughs> desire. Edward is alone out of necessity and survival. Yeah. Not but not because his, he desires it. So that kills me. And I think that it was, I think that it was just, again, to have such a great character beautifully imagined, to have an ending like that mm-hmm. is just, I think, creatively irresponsible. Now I have to, agree. and then on the other hand, as as a as a, a father that has Ugh. children, I mm-hmm. think of Edward as if that was my kid, oh, it, my Lord. heart would break. Like I don't want that for my like my son or my daughter. Yeah, you know. So I just understanding, you know. And Brooke and I were in a long distance relationship, you know. But when we were dating, when we were yeah. dating, yeah, when we were dating. By the way, yeah, that's another thing. Another thing. That, yeah, I was know. I was in Texas and he was in Georgia. Right. So we were in a long distance relationship. So I understand the idea of longing. Yeah. <laughs> more than anything, to be with the person that you want to be with, and again, it smacks against. There's no way Kim would not go visit him if he was. A block away. My thing is... Seriously. I, okay, so here's my thing. Do I believe that Edward loved Kim? Yes. Do I believe that Kim loved Edward? Yes. But... W- but They should have given him the right let me go to back. walk let me go away. Back. Oh. So, here, so here's the thing. Do I believe that Edward loved Kim? Of course. Do I believe Kim loved Edward? Yes, because I believe in what happened in the film. I believe in what I saw. Yes, because she does tell him, but what I, I love you. But what I don't believe, if, if that's true... Right. Then what happened at the end can't be true. Yeah, one of these. Yeah, one of these things doesn't match up. Something has to go. Right. Right. Something has to go. So because Kim, you can't convince me because I know what it's like to want to be with that person. Right. Mm-hmm. And if if Brooke was just a couple hundred yards away instead of across the dang country, I would be there. <laughs> so don't tell me. Right. Don't say that you love him. And then at the end, but then oh, I just wonder to give me as I was. That's ridiculous. No, get out again. An issue with the ending. Right. Not the issue with the profession of love. Right. To Edward or Edward, that's not the issue. The issue is if you're going to convince me that she's in love with him and you do, mm-hmm. then what the heck are you doing at the end of this right. movie? And now my analysis of that, because I know because because you have given which I agree with um, about how you feel about the ending. Yeah. And I, I just want to say too, oh. uh, just to the person who said wanting to belong and feeling like you don't fit in. I just want to say um, uh, I. 
I have really mixed feelings about the idea of belonging in a group, fitting in a group, because right. I believe we're all given something uniquely beautiful that the world needs. You already have it. You're, you know, I think we think sometimes in life, I have to attain. I have to attain this. How can I achieve this? Of course, we should always work to be better. But I look at Edward. Edward was already beautiful. The movie is about how Edward shares that with the world around him. And what, yeah. what, what should... And he actually doesn't even know that he's bringing beauty right. until he sees their reactions. And yeah. that's, that's what happens so to us. I we, guess to, yeah. we bring something and we realize, oh, I had something valuable in me all along. Yeah, I guess to that person who put that quote, I think it's overrated and I think it's a waste of time to put all of your focus into, I want to belong with this group, I want right. to fit in with this group. Mm-hmm. Um, because I, there's a difference between fitting in and belonging and just being compatible and, with people. And being loved. Yeah, being loved and accepted. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Yes. That, that's what yes. I'm saying. Yes, there it is. That's what I'm saying. You got it's it. Not a, it's not about... It's not about <laughs> because this. fitting in and belonging can be toxic. Right. If you have to that sacrifice... If you have to sacrifice who you are to fit a mold, that's... Uh-uh. So, yeah. That's that, not that's, what you want. That's, that's not what you want. What you want to be is you want to be loved. Yeah. And, for who you are. And, and, and the journey of life... And again, this is just me and my experience is, is what, I've, what I've had to learn mm-hmm. is... Everything that you need is already in, within you. Yeah. The journey is figuring out how can I... How, how to can, use it. How can I use it mm-hmm. to make the world better because that's why I'm here. Because we've had some uh, some really meaningful conversations with some of you guys through like direct messages about this movie. Yeah. And all the beautiful things it brings out. Even the insecurities that it brings out that it highlights in our own lives. But like, if nothing else, right. this movie provides a way to discuss those things and show that there is value in them. Yes. Now, yeah, and thank you, Toby. Because for- my issue is you have something beautiful like Edward, and instead of instead of sending him off to to theoretically make the world better, he's hidden under a bushel again. Right. So Toby's given his extensive <laughs> and true analysis of what he feels about Edward. And I agree. I really do right. agree because I'm, my heart continually breaks for him however i do have to put on my literary criticism cap for this to try to understand the ending that burton actually did give us um now i look at things like okay edward is obviously our tragic hero yes meaning that he is yes he's our hero but but there there is a level to him that will never achieve happiness and if you look in all the right places, you see that from the beginning. Um, and I look at things in literature like Dracula, who is another immortal being in a castle. Frankenstein, another immortal being in a castle. Uh, there, and yes, and, and interestingly enough, these are all villains. And there's a, I feel like there's a reason for that. Because, I mean, again, look at Vincent Price. The, the, his very casting has shown that there's an element of horror that he's bringing into this. Mm-hmm. And what I feel like he did with Edward, whether knowingly or unknowingly, and Tim Burton's very intelligent, so I'm sure it's knowingly, um, he took the trappings and the physicality of a villain and gave us an incredibly pure hero. Yeah. Which means that his very physical appearance, his very body, rebelled against who he was inwardly. Sure. Yeah. So it's you know it was essentially an angel born in a demon's body, right? What could he, what peace could he ever have? 
So if we if we approach the film from that perspective, yeah. we see that the time he even got was a gift. Yeah, I don't know. I don't agree with it. But I, I agree no, with what you're saying. What I'm saying is I am providing you an explanation from a criticism perspective where I'm like, okay, if we're looking if, if we look at this film as a pure tragedy, which obviously it is, really and truly. It's not satire, it's tragedy. Yeah, and they they um, made it that way. Right. Then then abruptly. that then that makes then all of it makes sense. Right. Because he was because I mean you the scene with um with um Kim when he's like she's like hold me and he's like I can't. Mm-hmm. And they try and it's interrupted. Then you know in the castle yeah. the kiss interrupted. Oh yeah. Every um, time. It's that's because it's it is a tragedy and he is a hero housed in the trappings of what which what should be a villain. Yeah, uh, that's so yeah. and and that's heartbreaking. It's also brilliant from again from a literary criticism yeah, perspective. I'm, I'm not denying I that. hate it, you know, but but honestly, I have to put that that kind of mindset on it or else I get too sad. Sure. Because if I actually let my emotions get involved with Edward, I'm I'm devastated because he's the purest thing in the world. And um this actually what I'm saying it really leads into the last question. Yes. Um, which is, it's just not a question. It's, it's a comment. A, yeah, it's a comment. It just says, love Danny Elfman. But yes. the reason why it's relevant is because I pulled up a quote he wrote about specifically the ice dance scene. Yeah. And Toby, if you hadn't mentioned what you meant, that stinking idea you gave me now about him carving the statue and the kids like skating around. Right. Because now that's all I can see and it's perfect. Honestly, because yeah. all if you if you notice all just, of Edward's music, like his themes, if you go back and watch it, which yeah, they're I, very, which I still can't listen to. Right, they're very gentle and pure, mm-hmm. and there's children's voices that that you know high you know boys soprano choir voice, which lends itself to just I mean just angelic sounding, and that makes sense because even though he is within this very hostile exterior, inwardly he is just lily white so i want to read this quote yeah it says okay this says a quote about danny elfman writing specifically the ice dance scene all right the music says i've always enjoyed using some kind of choir or the boy soprano soloist there's just something about the sound of children that particularly gets me there was nothing to indicate what music should be played for this movie i had two themes for edward scissorhands but no themes for anybody else that's just the way it came together Frequently, my process isn't really a process. It's what scenes form in front of me and trying to explain it. I don't know what made me want to use children's voices other than the te- than telling the story and telling the fairy tale. Because, of course, if you're going to tell a story, you're going to use children, right? Um, I, think probably op- I think that probably opened the door to Tchaikovsky and using a choir in that way, I'm sure. But it's all very unconscious. Edward was a really cool process of being left alone with Tim. Nobody was watching over our shoulders. Nobody even seemed concerned that we were even writing a score or working on the music. We were just two weird guys working on our own, under the radar and everything. And the result was Edward. And I love that it was in that isolation together, which that is Edward's story, is isolation. Mm -hmm. That's where this beautiful, pure, angelic, iconic music Yeah. The came music, from. Yeah, and the music is beautiful. It is. It it's is. Just, it's it's just hauntingly very, beautiful. It just makes me think of poor sad Edward. Right, and I, so I I can't hear it. Right, and like you know we at the end you know we mentioned it briefly earlier, but um at the end when Edward is you know it's the end and and Kim's gone and and she's old and all that, mm-hmm. 
and we see Edward come down from his tower and he he's looking at his hedges. His lawn looks beautiful. It looks it's yeah, different. It's, he's different. It's it's lovely. He, he seems looks self possessed, even though he has a tragic story. He's making his ice sculptures, you know, that, that iconic scene where he's making the ice sculptures in like the, the top tower and there's something about him that not necessarily I don't know I don't know if we could use the word happy. I don't know if that even factors in, but there's something about him that he has like he's steeled on what he is and what he's gonna do. And he makes it snow for this whack town and makes beautiful things out of these weapons you know what i mean yeah. like there's some there there's some there is a very gorgeous symbolism there that he is he has no choice but to have what would what we would perceive as weapons but with them he makes art and that's devastating and lovely i agree you know it's it's it is a lovely story until the end <laughs> i know and then and i and i we think, cry ourselves and, and, to sleep and, and again i think freaking the, tim burton yeah, you know, and I just want to read this this other um, uh, reviewer that the backseat driver reviews another <laughs> another person I found. I love that name. It's incredibly depressing to think that Edward, who was nothing but kind and loving throughout the duration of the film, has spent the last sixty years in isolation with only his memories of the week he had amongst the normals. And I'm using that term lightly here. Right. <laughs> Yet here we are. Think about how lonely that must have been. It certainly didn't bother Kim enough to visit. Ugh. The first way I could articulate why it made me sad when I was younger was she got to go on and live her life and have her wedding and kids and grow old, and he had to stay up in that castle by himself making snow for everyone. I literally can't. In the words of this reviewer, I guess it's an effing wash. (laughs) Of course, she actually says it, you know. And then she has a picture of old Winona, and under it says, bite me, lady. (laughs) There is a... Just just for some Edward Scissorhands um, trivia and fun things asides. Um, if you are on TikTok, if you're a person that watches TikTok, I stay up on, on really late watching TikTok videos because that's who I am. Um, but uh, there is a there is a certain video by a guy came. I am King only. Yeah. And he is reviewing it. He's reviewing the end. Edward Scissorhands. Right. And he is he is just as outraged, but it's yeah, so it, funny. It really is an outrage because when you when you're listening to it, you're like, oh my god, you're right. Like it's yeah. you just you feel the feels. So if you need to laugh about sad things, go watch him. Um, it TikTok is, has really has a has a great love for Danny Elfman's soundtrack. Yeah, because every time I listen to a video that has a pretty fall scene or a winter scene, they always use Ice Dance, which that is the song. That's the song when sure. she's dancing in the snow. And every time Toby hears it, it's like, you, yeah, you I know, just don't listen. No, no, it's like he first snaps and says, "What is that? Why?" Yeah, yeah. And yeah no. Then I turned the sound down. So, um, as hard as this has been for you, and as yeah. sad, and no, but really, as sad as this story can be, it's been it's been good. It's been good. Going I mean, yeah, we, yeah. Like I said, if I, nothing else, because you guys, you guys have been it. looking forward to us reviewing it, yeah, which we appreciate. It's been worth it to do it for people who are our listeners. And, and honestly, friends, we look forward so. to the discussion with you guys, like on Instagram and stuff afterwards. If you guys have things yeah. to say about Speaking it, Speaking of that, you know, where can they get in touch with us? So yes, of course. Um, so if you um, aren't already, which we invite you to, uh, you can follow us um, on Instagram. We're at the Tape Store. We're also on TikTok at the Tape Store as well. So 
those are the same handle. Uh, we're on Twitter, the Tape Store Pod. And if you would like to drop us an email, you certainly can. The Tape Store Podcast at gmail.com. Yep. Leave us a rating if uh, you have the time. You know, it only takes a little bit and it really does make our day. It does. Uh, and we, it, it, we take it to heart. Yeah, we do. But anyways, we're going to wrap things up. If you've been with us uh, throughout any part of this episode, we hope you've made it the whole way. We had a lot to say about our friend Edward. We have feelings. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you know, we appreciate your time. It's it's limited. It's valuable, especially, you know, during this, this you know, holiday season, you know, especially. Yeah. It's very limited. And uh, if you've spent any time with us, we just want to let you know that it's it's it means a lot, you know, and we're happy that you're here. And, yes. you know, again, we, we just we just love doing this with you. And it wouldn't be it wouldn't be anything if you weren't here. So exactly. thank you so much. And with that, I think we're ready to wrap this thing up. Mm-hmm. We will see you guys next Thursday. We'll be back on the regular schedule. Same bat time, same bat channel <laughs> uh, and all that. Uh, but uh, thank you so much for listening. And again, you know, we will see you guys next time. Until then, this is Toby. And this is Brooke. Bye, guys. Bye. <laughs>